Well, Josiah has pirate's booty if um, anybody else wants a couple pieces. You have enough for us, Josiah? Sorry. I mean, this is the K through fourth class this morning. We invited all these onlookers. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. We are going to be in 1 John 3, starting in verse 11 this morning. That's for everyone. Did you guys bring your Bibles? No? Okay. You already memorized that whole passage? Kate, that's pretty impressive. Go to... Oh, great. <laughs> All right. Well, I w- I'm going to have some questions to ask you guys that we can definitely talk back and forth about today, okay? Sometimes that I'm going to talk a little bit longer, and sometimes when I'm going like, to kind of look up and I'm going to talk to more of these people out here. So, in everything, we'll all just kind of see what God wants to say to us this morning, okay? Here's my first question for you guys. Who has chores at home? Me. Yeah? All right. Tell me about your chores. Judah, what, what chore do you have to do at home? What do your parents expect of you? All right. All right. Kate? Okay. All right. Quinn? Uh, doing school and cleaning my room. Doing school and cleaning your room? Okay. Josiah? Cleaning my room. Cleaning your room? Caleb? Uh, taking out the trash. Taking, so room seems to be a consistent thing. Taking out the trash. <laughs> All right. Jack? Uh, cleaning out the trash. Cleaning some dog poop. And oh, yeah. Thank you, by the way. Thank you for... We share a backyard. So... <laughs> Yeah, thanks, Jack. And Gavin? This one's also me. Walking my dog, cleaning my dog's poop, and doing the dishwasher. Okay. All right, very good. All right. Sounds like you all, you all have good parents. Is it always easy to do what your parents are expecting of you? No. No? No? Hmm. All right. Well, that, let me ask you this question. What does God expect of us? Good. Good, okay. Um, to trust in him and believe in. Okay, all right. Thanks, Jack. And listen to our parents, because our parents are listening to God, so if you listen to our parents, your parents, you're in a way listening to God. All right, listen to your parents, because your parents listen to God, so listen to your parents who listen to God, and you're listening to God. Well, Kate, I'm going to go sit down now. It sounds like we're done with the sermon for this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Well, in John chapter 6, see, you guys haven't been in church for a little while, so I'm going to have to kind of update you on what we've been talking about, okay? In the Gospel of John, chapter 6, after Jesus had fed 5,000 people, those people chased Jesus around the Sea of Galilee to try to get some more food. And Jesus said, don't just be looking to fill your stomachs, do God's will. And they said, what does it mean, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Basically, what does God expect of us, Jesus? What do you think they expected Jesus to say to them? Any thoughts? Any ideas? All right, give you as much food as you want. Probably give you whatever the high 
the Sabbath. Okay, so follow the leaders, obey the Ten Commandments, and rest on the Sabbath. Okay, maybe that's what they expected Jesus to say. Very possibly. Guess what Jesus said? He said, this is the work of God. That you believe in him who he has sent. Who did God send? Jesus. Jesus. So Jesus is saying, talking to the people there, the work that God has for you, what he expects of you, is to believe in me. Pretty simple, right? Pretty simple. God expects us simply to believe in him. Let me pray, okay? Then we're going to keep going a little bit. Father, thank you that you are with us today. Thank you that you sent your son and you've given your church your spirit. We pray that you would bless the hearing of your word today. Thank you for this crew right here. Pray that you would give them listening ears as they seek to believe in you as well, Jesus. Amen. So, but guess what? We're not in the book of John, the gospel of John. We've been in the book of 1 John, which is a letter that the apostle John wrote to some churches. Let me just tell you what we've talked about a little bit so far. A quick review. You ever watch like a TV program or a, a streaming program, is that what you call them these days? Where they show you a brief recap of what happened last episode? Let me tell you this, all right? In 1 John, John tells these people he's writing to, listen, I've seen Jesus with my own eyes, and I've heard Jesus' ear, Jesus' words with my own ears. Then he calls them little children, not because he's trying to insult them, but because he's saying, you are my spiritual kids. I've told you what Jesus told me. So now, kind of like what Kate said before, now you've heard from Jesus. Okay? But the thing is, they were gathering in churches, right? They were all good friends. They were trying to follow Jesus together. And then some people started to leave. Some people started to leave the church, not just because a dad got a new job or not just because there was a house out in the suburbs that they could move to and God was kind of using life situations to move families around. These people were leaving the church because they weren't believing in Jesus the same way that John had taught them to believe in Jesus. So remember, he saw and heard Jesus. Now they saw and heard John. So if they weren't believing in Jesus the way that John told them to believe in Jesus, they actually weren't believing in a real Jesus. Yeah, okay? Which is a problem because what does God say? What he expects of us is to simply believe in Jesus. Okay? So John writes to these churches, to these Christians, so that they can know that they have eternal life. And not just to know it up here, but to know that they know that they know that they have eternal life. Okay? And to, be, to have eternal life means that, yeah, you're going to heaven, but it also means that your sins are forgiven, and it means that you're part of the family of God, and it means that one day you're going to be with him forever and ever, with him and with all of his people. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So guess what? All these people that are here listening kind of behind you, they all need to know that they know that they know also. And that's why John wrote this letter. Adults especially need it. Okay? Adults especially need it. So while I'm disappointed that you guys don't have your class up there 
this morning a little bit, I'm actually super excited that you're here. Because Jesus says, we must have faith as kids, faith like kids, to trust him. Okay? So you guys are some good examples. All right. Don't get a big head, Gavin. <laughs> Jesus says that everyone must have faith like a child, and we're going to see that this morning, even First John. See, for adults, even as Christians, as we get older, we realize that our hearts, and what I mean by our hearts are not just the things that are beating here, but the things that, it's what God has made us to be. It's, it's who, what makes us us, okay? It's our soul. It's what God put inside of us. It's the spiritual reality of who we are. The Bible says those hearts are easy to trick. They're easy to trick. Let me give you an example. A few years ago, I went to Dave and Susie's house for their Halloween open house. And outside, not connected with, well, Dave, I know it wasn't Dave because I saw Dave. Dave was not in the gorilla suit. But there was somebody who was in a gorilla suit, one of the neighbors. And it was dark. And this guy was really acting like a gorilla. <laughs> Inside my heart, I knew that's a guy in a gorilla suit. But he was acting aggressive. He was scaring kids and scaring adults, all right? It was one of those things where my heart, even though I knew what was true, my heart was tricked. Our hearts get tricked. The devil tries to trick us. The world outside tries to trick us. And even the sin that is inside of us, our flesh, you can call it, tries to trick us. Our hearts are easily tricked, easily influenced. So John tells these churches this. He's like, if you don't hear anything else, I want you to know this. What does God expect of you? He said, this is the commandment. This is what you need to hear. Believe in Jesus and love one another. And those two things are like, sorry, I can't twist my thumb and my index finger together. Those two things are together. You can't actually say you love Jesus and not love other brothers and sisters who are Christians. And you can't say, oh yeah, sure, I, I'm, I'm cool with the church, I love other brothers and sisters in, in Christ, but then not actually believe in Jesus. They go together, but super simple. That's what John wants to know. They can know that they know that they know if they believe in Jesus and they love other Christians. That's it. That's it. Well, today I'm going to tell you quickly about three things, three people actually, that are greater than us, greater than our tricky hearts, that can help us to trust God more. Does that make sense? So that you know that you know that you know if you're a Christian and if you're going to spend the rest of life with God. The first one is this. We have a greater brother. Can you say greater brother? We have a greater brother with a greater love. A greater brother with a greater love. Josiah, who's your greater brother, Judah or Zion? Sorry, I won't put you on the spot, even though I just did. These are my nephews, so I can kind of play with them a little bit. We have one greater brother. I think you know who that is, but let me read about him. This is what John says. He says, For this is the message 
that you have heard from the beginning. We're in 1 John 3, starting in verse 11, everybody. This is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain. Er, Hold on. Do you know who Cain is? Uh Uh-oh. Cain and his brother Abel. Judah, it sounds like you know the story. Do you remember the story? Tell me the story real quick, and I'll repeat it to everybody else. No? Anybody else? Gavin? Cain and Abel? All right, so here's the deal. Adam and Eve, right? They're the first parents ever. Oh, I know this story too. Okay. Eve gives birth to the first kid ever. His name is Cain. Then gives birth to Cain's brother, Abel. They grow up. Okay? Was sin in the world at this time? Yeah, Yeah, it had already happened. So, yes. So they go and they offer sacrifices to God. Cain's a farmer. And Cain brings like fruit and vegetables and stuff. Not bad, but a, a sacrifice, an offering, right? Abel, the younger brother, brings, he's, a, he's like a shepherd, so he brings some sheep and offers those as an offering. The thing is, God accepts Abel's offering, but he doesn't accept Cain's. Was it because one of them had a bad offering? No, it was actually because one of them had a bad heart. Abel had a heart directed towards God. So whatever Abel was bringing was a gift to God. Cain had a heart that was distant from God, kind of like assumed the worst about God. Might be saying, God wants my fruit and vegetables? I could sell these. I could eat these. What's the good of giving these back to God? He's just some guy that's up in the sky. That was his heart attitude towards God. God did not look on his offering well. Well, something then happens. I think, Jack, this is what you meant by like doing that with your neck. <laughs> they go out onto the field. God has already told Abel, like, or Cain, he's like, why are you so upset? If, you had, if your heart had been towards me, I would have accepted your offering. It would have been fine. He said, be careful, Cain, because sin is like a robber crouching outside your door and it wants to grab you. Well, guess what? They both went out the door. Sin grabbed Cain and took Cain and Abel out into the field where Cain murdered his brother. Sin is serious. In case you haven't thought about that before or recently, in case we haven't thought about that before or recently, sin is serious. Sin is deadly. We should not be like Cain, John tells these people, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Like Cain hated Abel. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. It's a pretty serious story. 
It's a pretty serious story. This is something we got to think about. Even like in your families, when you have a disagreement between brothers and sisters, God takes that seriously. And I'm like, not, not just like a disagreement like um, who gets the last cookie. Or should you share candy? But sometimes, I mean, candy's a pretty big deal. Sometimes that can turn into where your heart is actually wanting that candy so much that you get an attitude of even hatred. I know it's hard to believe, but towards Jack or Haddon, right? What John is saying here is that that's true in the church. That's true in the church. We are not of Cain. We are of Abel if we are in Christ. So he's saying, you're part of a new family, a new, a new creation family. Therefore, it doesn't make sense for brothers and sisters in the church to hate one another. It doesn't make sense for brothers and sisters in the church to have beef with one another, to, to be con- have contempt or wonder, I don't think I can love him. I don't think I can love her. That doesn't make sense. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. John is saying, if you consistently hate somebody else in the church, you're actually risking showing that you actually don't love God because you hate someone who God loves. You know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. But the next verse says this. John says you should love one another. But what does it mean to love? Do you like write nice cards? Do you let somebody else have the candy? Maybe. This is how we know love. Jesus laid down his life. Jesus died for us. And then he says what's even harder to to realize And we should lay down our lives for our brothers. You know Jesus died, right? John is saying our love for each other should be just as costly. Just as real as Jesus dying for us. We believe that Jesus died for us. And so that we need to say, when I treat other people, look at other people in our, in our families or in the capital F family of our church, I need to be saying, how can I love them in such a way that it looks like Jesus is dying for them? It looks like I am dying for them. That's big love. John says that's actually what real love is. Back in the book of John, Jesus told his disciples, as Miss Becky read earlier, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. We have a greater brother with a greater love. Let me ask you this funny question. Josiah, you're rubbing your eyes. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever walked a whole day backwards? You have? I asked the wrong person. No. All right, so you have walked the whole day backwards? Is that true, Iris? You, it actually is. Okay, tell me, was that difficult? It wasn't. 
Well, you're special. <laughs> Judah, would it be hard to walk an entire day backwards? Yes. Why would it be difficult? You can't see where you're going. What else might happen? If you didn't care about seeing where you're going, you just kind of like went. Caleb, what would it be like? Confusing, okay. You bump into someone? You bump into someone, yeah. You could fall on a Okay, okay. Yeah, you might trip, you might fall backwards, you might fall off a cliff. That's why we don't walk backwards. Right? Gavin, right? But then you're not walking. Exactly. <laughs> so here's the thing. That's why, this is why I ask you that. It's because Christians often love backwards. Christians often love backwards. We think no one's loving me in the church. So that church can go kick rocks. Say, nobody's, nobody's reaching out to me. Nobody's calling me. Nobody's texting me. Nobody's giving me gifts or writing me cards. No one's laying down their life for me. You know what Jesus says? Um, I laid my life down for you. Now you go lay down your life for others. That's how we walk forward in love as Christians. We don't always wait for somebody else to love us. We love others. And John says this about love. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. You know what that's like when your parent says, hey, can you take out the garbage? Can you go pick up the dog poop? Tahoe's poop. Can you go pick up the dog poop? I don't know if I've ever said poop in a sermon, but I'm saying it this morning. <laughs> and you're like, sure, mom. Then your mom doesn't hear the door open. She doesn't hear the shovel rattle downstairs. Somebody then steps in the pile out there later on. I know you don't, I'm just using you as an example, Jack. Sorry. <laughs> Did you actually love your mom in that moment when you said, yes, sure, mom? No, he didn't, because he didn't actually do anything, right? When we walk forward in love, we're looking sacrificially for how to serve others, to, to know one another well, that we actually know their needs. And then to be able to say, whatever I have is all from him, so now it can be all for them. That's loving one another, laying down our lives for one another, as Jesus laid down his life for us. If you can see the difference between Jesus and Cain, Cain was all about himself, and so he laid out his brother. Jesus was laid out for us so that we could live with him. So we have a greater brother with a greater love. We have a greater father with a greater heart. Listen to this. Verse 19 I'll start with verse 18 again. Little children, let us love, not, in, not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. Remember how he talked about our hearts are, get tricked easily? God is saying this is how to get your heart back right again. 
For whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment. We've heard this before, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God. Yes, love is not just talking about loving, saying, oh, sure, I love my church family, but it's with deed and in truth. It's active. It's costly love. It's in deed and truth. It's, it's doing, and it's also encouraging one another in belief, deed and truth. And by this, God gives us this assurance that we know that we're of the truth. So here's the deal. When we when we see somebody in need and we actively, especially if they're a Christian, because all this has to start within the church, it can move out too, but if you're not right within the church, all the stuff that goes on out afterwards, it's just kind of like worthless. It's got to start within the church because you have to love your brothers and sisters. When you actively, costly love another sibling in Christ, assurance grows. You start to know that you know that you know because you're actually investing in others who by God's spirit have been born again. Assurance grows. Self-sacrifice is our greater brother Jesus's example of our father's plan for us to know that we know that we know. Our hearts are easily influenced. John is telling his little children that God is greater than our hearts. So whenever you feel, guys, like you're like, ah, who can I trust? Can I trust God? Can I trust his word? Just remember this one thing, that God is greater than our hearts. Even when they're tricky, God is still greater than our hearts. So we need to allow him to influence them so that we're sure. Do you measure yourselves in a doorway at home? No? That's the problem with moving. What do you do? Like you take that thing off and you take it to your new house? So in our house, we have a doorway between our kitchen and our dining room and the hallway where all of us in the family have continued to keep our height increasing. Well, mine hasn't increased much recently. Natalie's hasn't either. But our kids have. Okay. God is saying this, do you want to grow as a Christian? Do you want to be sure that you are a Christian and continue to grow as a Christian? Then how do you measure yourself? He's saying you measure yourself by trusting Jesus and loving one another. When you do those two things, his promise is that we will grow. Period. Period. Sometimes I get thoughts when I wake up Saturday night before Sunday, and last night that happened. So before we get to our third grader, which is going to end the sermon, let me just read this real quick. We have a conundrum of condemnation where the flesh, the world, and the devil all appeal to the weaknesses of our hearts. Our hearts will condemn us. We will fail to love 
in deed and truth, brothers and sisters. Yet, capital Y, capital E, capital T, yet God knows all of the variables in our equation of self-condemnation. Christ has died and he's taken all of our condemnation on himself. Now, our tricked hearts may not believe that. Do you hear me? Our tricked hearts may not believe in that moment that we are actually forgiven, that we are actually justified, that there is actually no more condemnation for the Christian. But God does. God believes it even when we don't. His heart is strong and sure even when our hearts are weak and wavering. But when we love one another in deed and truth, our actions of love agree with our belief in Christ's love. Our hearts are stirred with reassurance because we then, in doing so, appeal to our heart's deepest nature that we are new creatures in Christ, that there is truly a new beginning for every person in the family of God. And our spirit, the Holy Spirit, lives in us. When we are loving, trusting Christ and loving one another, it appeals to the Spirit who is in us, who has made us obedient from the heart, as Paul tells the Romans. Therefore, our lack of condemnation, when we're like, yes, I, it was a rough day today, but I know I'm not condemned. I know that there are people to love. I know that Jesus loves me. He laid out his life for me. I trust him. When, when we realize that lack of condemnation, it stirs in us a confidence, as it says here, to ask boldly of the Father. To pray prayers where we're not worried if he's a miser. We don't worry if, metaphorically, we walk up to his door and say, treat, and he says, sorry, trick, buddy. That lack of condemnation helps us know that when we ever come to the Father, we ask what, what we ask, we receive what we ask for because He is turning our asks into His own heart. We begin to ask according to how God would have us ask. We're in His game plan. And He gives us what we ask for because He loves us. All right, last grader. We have a greater brother with a greater love. We have a greater father with a greater heart. Our hearts are tricky. His isn't tricky. It's faithful. Last one. We have a greater spirit with a greater truth. First verse, the first, last, last half of a verse of chapter 3, going into the first six verses of chapter 4. By this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children... You are from God and have overcome those spirits of the Antichrist. 
For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They, they're from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. See, as we continue to to obey that command of trusting Jesus and loving one another, we remain in God. We're doing what God has asked us to do, and we feel that inside because every Christian has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. Now, the reality is, I don't know which of you are Christians. I don't know which of us are Christians. But that's part of being in a church where we constantly talk about Jesus is because he is the one that the Holy Spirit in the church is always talking about to us. The world out there wants nothing to do with Jesus. The family in here wants always to do with Jesus. And Sometimes people leave the church, not because they're going for new jobs or whatever. They leave the church like they were to these churches here because they no longer believe Jesus. And that's a mystery. I don't know how it works, but it does. It happens. But the people who stay, either in this church that talks about Jesus always, or in other churches that talk about Jesus always, the Holy Spirit is saying, that's my church. That's my church. I'm going to help them love one another in deed and in truth every single day until he comes back. And that gives us, last thing I'm going to say, that gives us as people and as a church the ability to say we can know that we know that we know that we belong to Jesus. We are from God even as Jesus is from God. Greater brother with a greater love greater father with a greater heart, greater spirit with a greater truth, and that truth comes back around to Jesus. Let's pray, okay? Jesus, we exalt you. We pray that your incarnation, that you are God, you are king, and you are human. You, you, you know our frames. You know that we are dust, yet you entered into that dust to redeem it to give us new beginnings, new life in you, to call us into new families, to adopt us into the family of God. We are children of God because of you, Christ. And that is who we are. So we long for that day when you will return. We will see you. We will become like you because we see you as you are. Until that day, by the power of your Spirit, Help us to trust you, Jesus, and to love one another. I thank you for this crew in front of me. Thank you for giving them still bodies and open ears today. May that be true for all of us. May we have ears to hear the gospel continually this week and be obedient to your spirit, exalting you, Jesus, for the glory of the Father. Amen.